and welcome to another episode of Dig Deep, the podcast about sport, faith, and life. I'm Brian Bolt, kinesiology professor and men's golf coach at Calvin College. And I'm Chad Carlson, kinesiology professor at Hope College. And of course, this is the official podcast for the Second Global Congress for Sport and Christianity, which is coming up a summer and a year from now. It'll be set for October 23 through 27, 2019. If you're interested in finding out more about this Congress, what's going to happen, some of the keynotes, you can find it at calvin.edu slash events slash 2GCSC. What does that stand for? It stands for Second Global Congress for Sport and Christianity. 2GCSC. Hey, who who is this for? Who are we who are we inviting? Who are we who are we who's our audience? So this first conference was held in 2016 in August in the city of York in the UK. And it gathered people from 28 different countries. It also gathered academics, people that are interested in writing about sport and thinking about sport from uh, sort of an academic perspective. Uh, from a number of different academic disciplines, but it also uh, gathered chaplains, sport chaplains, clergy that are interested in sport, coaches, athletes, uh, people that um, just had a general interest in how sport works in society. And we'd like to expand on that audience for the second Global Congress. What we're hoping to do is attract people across the sports spectrum, anyone that is interested in thinking about sport in daily life, and how it intersects with Christian faith. So in a standard academic conference, you'll get professors and, and, and otherwise intellectuals who will uh, submit an abstract, who will want to then present some of their research, either in a paper form or a poster form. And generally at academic conferences, 90 to 95% of the, of the delegates, of the attendees, are presenting their research or are there to be a part of the business of the organization or whatever else it is. So certainly that's a part of this Congress. We will have parallel sessions. We will have sessions where people can uh, submit abstracts and if accepted they can present their research. We also have keynote speakers and we have more than a standard academic conference has and that's because this conference isn't just for those who want to present their research. This is for those who are interested in having a conversation about sport and Christianity. And so uh, we, are, we are hoping that just like the, the inaugural Global Congress on Sport and Christianity, this event will attract a number of people who aren't doing research, but instead are, are interested and in some way connected to sport and faith, who might be able to show up and, and, and listen and be a part of the discussion, listen to the parallel sessions, listen to the keynote addresses, and be able to engage with some of the leading thinkers and some of the leading practitioners in sport and Christianity to help further their understanding of the connection between those two and then bring that back to wherever they live. And some of the best parts of the first Congress, which was a great success, was to have everybody in one room listening to the same speech so that we could all then break it down. And an uh, ample amount of time was given and we plan to do that again so that audience members could participate and ask questions and interact and then it flooded out into the hallways and into the classrooms and places where we had breakout sessions and we continued to talk about some of those main topics. We intentionally, as we put this Congress together, have found practitioners, people that are coaching every day or people that are administrating sport or people that are working in academia 
very closely connected to sport uh, so that that uh, group of people can start the conversation that others will resonate with and we're really getting excited about this group. So in what ways are we going to avoid the problems of the Tower of Babel? We've got all these people from all these different areas of the world and all these different connections in the world of sport bringing everyone together. How are we going to connect? How are we going to be able to have conversation? So that's a great question because it is a challenge for sure because very often intellectuals talk to each other uh, coaches talk to each other, and those two don't mix. Plus, uh, sport in one country is really important or relevant. Here in the United States, we could describe the sports that are uh, on the minds of people just about every day. If you follow professional sports or amateur sports, sport is um, particular to a, to a location. And so football in the United States means something very different uh, in other parts of the world where football means soccer. And so we have uh, this central uh, idea of sport that we're going to try to unpack, figure out what we all have in common, and then take the information and bring it back to the places where we come from and learn to apply it. You know, I, I had some recent experience with this. I'm traveling to Ghana, I was speaking to some Christian coaches and talking to them about best practices and, and ethics and coaching and that sort of thing. And I, I started out with uh, asking them, what's the most important thing in sport? totally expecting, you know, this, this American worldview, the American answer would be, well, it's to win, of course. Of course. And these coaches answered, to train your kids using biblical principles. Interesting. I was, I was absolutely flabbergasted. I, 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 it totally threw me off because I was expecting to, to move forward, thinking, oh, this is a softball of a question. I know what their answer is going to be, and I'm going to build on from that and then get to this other thing. But these, these coaches answered absolutely correctly and and sort of uh, it put me in my place and it does remind us right the educational mission of sport is not a new thing it's been used for many many years to try to uh, have an influence over uh, people that are growing up over kids but also it's been picked up and used by churches uh, by organizations that are attempting to spread the gospel and this sort of uh, overlap between sport and what sport is attempting to accomplish sometimes uh, can be really beneficial and sometimes can be very confusing. That's absolutely right. You know, one of the things that academic conferences do really well is it, is it pulls people together and gives them a chance to, to encourage each other. And I think that's another feature of this Congress that we're really excited about is that even if we have uh, you know, certain people attending who are dealing more with youth sport and some that are dealing with professional sport and some that are studying sport and some that are are preaching and just use sport as a tool. We're coming from different places, but by and large, this Congress will give us an opportunity to be able to encourage each other. Um, knowing that, that we have brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the globe who are dealing with, with similar issues. And, and this is a way that we can reinforce each other and affirm what we're doing well and also maybe help to, to give guidance in terms of how we might be able to, to be better moving forward. So that might be more information than you want to know about a conference that is more than a year away. So we'll sort of temper our enthusiasm, but you can tell we're pretty excited about what's coming up. Right now, though, sport is uh, happening every day, and Chad and I are engaged in sport every day. Here in the United States, if we follow professional sports, a lot of different things are happening. Actually, it's, it's gotten warm here, finally. It was a really long winter, and the leaves have come out on the trees. It's 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, baseball and softball, you can hear the sounds of those sports everywhere. Uh, 
in professional sports, in men's professional sports, uh, we're in the final stages of uh, NBA basketball. And we're back to where we started. The uh, Golden State Warriors will be taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Steph Curry versus LeBron James. And in hockey, we have a very interesting story. Uh, hockey is a sport that sometimes is considered the, uh, the little brother in the United States. Uh, often football, American football, baseball, and basketball take center stage. But hockey is kind of right there. It's the next one. Uh, shockingly, it's still not soccer. You'll never know when soccer will sort of push its way into that space. But hockey is kind of the next one. And we're in the finals, the Stanley Cup finals. And a team has made it to the Stanley Cup finals called the Vegas, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. In their first year as a franchise, they've made it to the Stanley Cup finals. An unusual story, and uh, incredibly unusual, in that uh, some franchises go on for years and have lots of money and lots of resources and just never make it even to the Stanley Cup Finals. And here, with a 1-0 lead, the Golden Knights are taking on the Washington Capitals. And so the question for all of us is to try to figure out what is it about sport that allows this sort of thing to happen? I mean, the odds were greatly against this team. The Las Vegas Golden Knights started their franchise taking players that were essentially cast off by other teams. Teams made certain players available for an expansion draft. These players, essentially, if they were really important, the teams wouldn't allow them to be drafted. So Las Vegas had to begin with a handful of players that really were cast-offs. And yet, in just one year, they found a way to rally their team, to bring them to a place that they're competing for the Stanley Cup Finals. Chad, do you have any idea how this can happen? Well, I, I don't, uh, in some <laughs> sense. In another sense, though, this is kind of a uniquely American uh, idea with the professional sports model that we have here in the United States where we have uh, a league that is owned or, and run by the owners of the franchise, of, the, of the, the teams. And so whenever the NHL or any other American professional sports organization, and I say the NHL is an American association, but it's... It's certainly, it's, it's Canadian, it's American. Uh, okay, we understand that. Um, but this North American pro sports model where the only way that a new, a new team can be brought into the top league, the top tier, is if the owners say, that's okay. And so we call that an expansion team, a team that is allowed in, not based on merit, but because the owner is okay uh, or give approval to another owner to start up a team in a particular city or location. In this case, Las Vegas, which is a very enticing city, but has also come with a lot of, of scrutiny, especially from other sports leagues who are saying, well, the problem is that Las Vegas isn't exactly a city that we want to be associated with. The NHL has said, in some sense, because the ratings haven't been as good as the other leagues, they said, okay, we're going to take a chance there. So the way that these sports operate, yeah, like, like you said, Brian, each team will allow certain players to be taken by this expansion team, and often those are players that the other teams don't want. And you could look at this from a strategic perspective. And so one of the things that I've heard is that when they were selecting players, they were selecting the best skaters. So in other words, trying to find the people that um, had the greatest versatility on the ice. Uh, not so much uh, looking for the ability to score goals or the ability to uh, play defense or offense, but instead, who had the raw material? Who could really move? Who, could who had speed? And uh, it's possible that strategic decision 
uh, contributed to what they were able to pull together. But you have to also look at it psychologically, emotionally. Uh, the opportunity to get together with a group of people and you start in a place where we have something to prove. And sport is very much about proving something, sometimes to yourself, very often to yourself. You ever get to uh, a certain trail and you decide, well, there's the easy way and the hard way. And some of us just say, you know what? I want to see if I can make it the hard way. Sport has that sort of physical element where we work really hard to try to prove something to ourselves. Can we accomplish this task? That is built into, we would say, into our humanity. That desire for excellence, for overcoming, for getting the job done, for being able to do something we thought we could not do before. That's one level, the possibility that because we're trying to prove something to ourselves, we can show something to others. The other thing about proving is to compare with, with others. And to begin with this general idea that these players were cast-offs, they were unwanted. And we see this very often in sport where somebody in a rags-to-riches sort of way finds a way to defy the odds. And the odds here are amazing. At the beginning of the season, the Las Vegas Golden Knights were 500 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. And here they are with the lead, 1-0, in the Stanley Cup Finals. 500 to 1 is scaring a lot of sports bookies. The people that make or take bets are a little bit nervous that they're going to be doing some, giving some big payouts should the Golden Knights uh, finally win the Stanley Cup. 500 to 1, there's, what, 30 teams in the NHL? 30, 32 teams? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's got to be the lowest odds of any team. Had to be the longest odds. Had to be the longest odds. There just seems like, it seems like an improbable story to begin with. And uh, it's so funny to, to contrast the NHL right now in its postseason to the NBA. Because in the NBA, for the fourth straight year, we have the same two teams in the finals. Those two teams have met expectations and we've had other teams who have been the challengers so to speak that haven't been able to overcome these champs and yet in the NHL what's interesting about that is, is we have these two teams who well Las Vegas who, who has not ever had a season before so there's no history there not since 1960 has an expansion team won a major professional sports league in North America and that was a hockey team that was when there were only 12 teams in the NHL and eight of them made the playoffs, so it was easier then than it is now. So that's Las Vegas' story. The Capitals have, have had all kinds of struggles in the postseason, struggling to get past the first round despite having a lot of talent. And so we've got this, this unique juxtaposition between what the NBA has and what the NHL has. And part of what, what the NHL has is what draws us to sport, overcoming challenges, knowing that we're against the odds. This is so... This is such a, a fundamental element of sport that makes it worthwhile for us because it's why we play the game, right? The old saying, uh, it doesn't matter. You can throw everything off the table, but what matters is actually playing the game. you got to play the game to show who's going to win, who's going to lose. The odds don't matter. When I was in graduate school, I met a friend of mine who was very much into data. He was a Ph.D. in business, and um, I was introducing sport to him largely because he, he had some interest. We played golf together, but he didn't really follow sport in any particular way. But we were at the University of North Carolina, and one of the things you sort of do there is follow college basketball. 
And so it came time for March Madness, and I handed him a bracket, right? So you, everybody fills out their bracket, and on the bracket, there are numbers. Well, you've got a one seed and a 16 seed, and you've got a two seed and a 15 seed. And he looked at it and he said, well, clearly this team is going to win because it's the one seed versus the 16 seed. And he filled out his bracket entirely by the numbers. And it was so hard for him to understand as I was trying to explain to him, no, it doesn't work that way in sport. It doesn't follow the predictable path or pattern, which is what we love about sport. The predictable path or pattern, we could all say, uh, at the beginning of the season was uh, that the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors would end up in the final. And it turns out in this case that it did. And then in the very same year, you had the absolute reverse of that happen in one sport over in hockey. With the Las Vegas Golden Knights at the longest possible odds look like they're either going to win or they're going to come in second uh, for the Stanley Cup. And it's that sort of thing that draws us to sport, that opportunity. Because if it was just a matter of following the numbers, none of us would be that intrigued. Right. This is what in philosophy we call an anti-materialistic uh, view and, and argument. The fact that we can look at the raw material that's there, we can look at the data, and we can make predictions. And, and you better believe that at professional sports, at the elite levels, teams are doing that. Uh, you know, they have scads of employees now that are just data specialists trying to figure out what the odds are what the best chances are based on this this and this and so there's some of that going on some of that matters but so much of sport is is about our humanity and about us as humans that we can't predict perfectly that we don't have data for we can't quantify it's a matter of you know a group of guys like in las vegas getting together they're cast offs yeah they can all skate well and yeah they're pretty darn good hockey players but they're not the best of the best putting them together in the right situation and uh, under the right circumstances, and they can thrive. And I think there's a biblical model with this, too. In the book of Judges, we are taught time and time again about the Israelites failing to follow God, and yet the, the entire history of the Israelites in the Promised Land is of them overcoming odds and, and overtaking the, the Philistines, the Amalekites, the Ammonites, any number of groups of, of people who are stronger than them were better fighters than them, but the Israelites always had God on their side. And when they submitted themselves to God, great things happened. Now, I'm not saying that, that the Golden yeah, Knights... I was wondering where you were is, taking that, Chad, actually. Well, I, okay, so God is on the side of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Sin City, and God is on their side. Okay, take us through that, Chad. <laughs> yeah, those are your words and not mine. Oh, okay. What I'm saying is that we have... It, it, we can't always determine who's going to win based on who is the strongest or who is on paper the better team. And let, we see that in the Old Testament of the Bible. There's no reason why the Israelites should have been able to hold on to their land, much less take over other groups of people, except that they had God on their side. Again, I'm not saying that the Golden Knights have God on their side, but they have overcome superior opponents on paper. Yeah, and that's a fantastic point that in, somewhere in our humanity is that desire to be a part of that, to be affiliated with that. And that's why the experience of sport speaks to so many of us. That experience of sport includes our physical exertion, but it also includes our sort of mental ability to connect not only with the task at hand, but also with those around us. It takes our emotions, it takes our senses, and it draws us in holistically. This is why St. Paul would use it as a metaphor in the New Testament, he saw 
what athletes did to try to overcome. He saw athletes in the Olympic Games, by the way, the Olympic Games or other crown games in Corinth, and he had the opportunity to watch and see how athletes trained wholeheartedly and fixed their eyes on their one prize. And at the time, St. Paul wasn't uh, endorsing sport necessarily, but he was recognizing sport and how it speaks to us. And it gives us this opportunity to feel what it's like to be wholly sold out to a particular purpose. And really, sport for us gives us that sense, that draw, that um, belonging, and that idea that we can overcome. And I think for the Las Vegas Golden Knights, we tend to root for that as well. We like to see, in our own human spirit, people defying the odds. And I think that's a fun thing. That's one of the fun diversions of sport. We really enjoy affiliating then with the underdog. We root for the, for the team that doesn't have all the money, all the prestige, all the great players. Instead, we like to see that 1980 uh, United States hockey team I still remember when I was in sixth grade having it announced at the school over the loudspeaker. I had an opportunity, and I, I remember, I know you're younger, Chad, you don't remember this, but I remember they announced that the United States beat the Russians. Pretty fun uh, as a kid to hear that, because back then the Olympics were amateur athletes, at least for the United States, and it was a, uh, a huge uh, underdog victory, much like the Golden Knights in this case. You know, and that speaks to, to who we are as people, and it's easy for us to, to, to cheer for the underdog. And in some sense, that gives all of us hope, those of us that are not elite-level professional athletes. It gives us hope. It gives us a chance to see that, hey, despite our, sport, our shortcomings, we all have shortcomings, but if we work really hard and if we find ways to connect with teammates and you know, we get sort of these, these ideas of synergy going, um, that so much is possible. And uh, you know, from a sporting perspective, that has to do with momentum and psychology and context and discipline and all those things. In our Christian faith, it has to do with our belief in, in Jesus Christ as our Savior, that uh, uh, with God all things are possible. And I think to bring this full circle, when you heard in Ghana that the main goal of sport in that particular circumstance was to uh, grow people in Christ, um, that's a noble and appropriate and worthy goal. And yet, at the same time, uh, just participating in sport also speaks to us in a way that uh, allows us to be human, and it's part of the whole human experience. And so, sport isn't only sport when it is used for a particular purpose. Sport is also an opportunity for us to just experience the joy of being a human in this world that God created. It gives us this opportunity to try to overcome obstacles, and in sport that often means winning. It gives us a chance to uh, aim for something that's excellent, to try something that we haven't done before, and to see if we can achieve at a higher level, and it helps us, gives us this chance to do it together. Very often we're affili affiliating not only with our teammates, but also with those who follow us, who enjoy being a part of it, everyone that we would call a fan. It's a fun, community, holistic experience. And we have probably fewer and fewer, you know, community-based experiences, uh, especially as with, you know, with our handheld devices and we're drawn right. into the isolation of our phones. You know, sport continues to be a way in which we can connect with others at any age, uh, in any geographic circumstances. You know, again, I was in Ghana, able to connect with people, talking about soccer, talking about, well, it, was, it was football to them, but talking about that sport and, and shared experiences. And 
um, you know, my, my kids at elementary school levels are able to connect with, with friends and they talk about sports and that sort of thing. That's oftentimes an in for us and it's a community-based element. Um, oftentimes it strays from that, becomes more than or becomes different from maybe what it was intended to be. But sport has the ability to bring us together. And it's stories like the Las Vegas Golden Knights that sometimes capture our hearts, understanding that it's a team of castoffs that can come together and accomplish great things that gives us hope. And it makes us believe that, uh, that we're capable of, of much more than what we often believe we are. So there's that element, the, 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 the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And then there's the, the other element, the NBA, that we've been talking about here in comparison. What we're seeing in, in the finals, probably the three best players in the world, or pretty close to that. So we have KD, and we have Steph Curry, and we have LeBron uh, playing at a high level. Again, and we're, experience, we're experiencing excellence at very high levels. It's another thing that draws us into sport. We've got these two things. So it's the improbable run, believing that we can do anything because the team we're watching can do anything. And then there's also looking at the, the ceilings of human ability being pushed up uh, increasingly by these guys every year, four years in a row playing against each other, just seeing the limits of humanity. is, is I'm in awe watching that. Well, you've got me excited again to follow these uh, two storylines as we go into the early part of summer. And I'm, I'm excited to kind of see where that goes, but also to uh, experience new things as we go. Because uh, one, of the favorite, one of my favorite parts of sport is that there's no script. That when we go into something, it isn't that predictable number that allows us to determine the outcome. It is instead the drama of the unknown that sort of draws us in. And... I think at this point, it's a good time to uh, give you a little more drama of the unknown as we fold up this particular podcast. Uh, we've had a, a nice opportunity here to talk a little bit about uh, the NBA, the NHL, and really what we think to be is the essence of sport, an opportunity to gather together to strive to experience overall uh, this great drama that um, is available for us either as a participant or as a fan. If you'd like to hear more podcasts, uh, we are starting to build a few of these. This is podcast number five. You'll be able to find those at the website mentioned before. That's www.calvin.edu slash events slash 2GCSC. And we will continue to try to uh, talk about uh, different events and uh, different topics on this podcast that lead up to that global congress that we talked about earlier.